Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Gift of Choice. Hosted by entrepreneurial coach and holistic nurse practitioner, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her guests offer information and motivation each week to help you live your dream and attain the health happiness, and abundance you deserve. Now, here's the host of The Gift of Choice, Bonnie Gressel. Welcome, everyone. This is Bonnie Gressel, your host for The Gift of Choice show here on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You know, I want to tell you how much I appreciate all of you taking time out of your busy day to spend a little bit of time here with us at the Hit Show. Our goal is to provide great content so that you feel that this time was well spent. I have a great guest today. Michelle Fonden, who is the author of The Wheel of Healing with Ayurveda, is here to join us today. And I know it's going to be a fabulous show. Now, just a reminder that you can listen to all the past episodes on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. And then we stream the last episode of each show to Speak Up Talk Radio. And they're always on for you 24-7. Now, to be a part of this community, there's a few different ways that you can do that. You can click subscribe if you on follow if you're listening to us here on Talk Radio. Or you can always send me a note, too, and I'll make sure that you get into the loop of things. I'm working on expanding this show to other networks as well, so stay tuned to keep you in the loop as that progresses. Now, I always want to remind people that the Gift of Choice show is educational, inspirational, and motivational in nature, but I want you to take what fits for you today and let go of the rest. The Gift of Choice show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment either. I always want to begin every show with that little reminder to people. Now, if you would like to call in on the show today, I want to give you the call-in number, and that's 714-816-4716. And you can just listen on the phone if you like, but if you would like to join the conversation with us live on the air today, you can just press 1 on your phone, and that lets me know here in the studio that you would like to be live on the air with us. I also opened the chat room today, so if you are so inclined to... Pop into the chat room. You can certainly do that as well, and I will check that from time to time as we're on the show. Now, I always want to really include in every show just a very brief moment to just stop. I'm letting everyone take that moment, that time. That's just something that we so seldom do. You know, life is busy and things get in the way, and we don't take time to just stop. And breathe. I mean, we have to breathe anyway, right? But we don't often think about our breathing or pay attention to how we breathe. So if you're in a place where you can join me today, please do. Now, if you're driving on the freeway, might not be the best time to do this. But if you're in a place where you can sort of take, you know, just calm down and focus on your breathing, putting attention to your breath, maybe closing your eyes if you feel like that, but just taking time for you right now, then please do join me as we take this one moment to do a simple little breathing meditation. So to start, I'd like you to take a nice deep breath in through your nose if you can. And then let everything go. Everything that you don't need right now with the out-breath. Just breathing in. And out. 
As you breathe in, feeling your belly expand. And then with the out breath, your belly just deflates again and you let everything go that you don't need right now. That's it. Just breathing. Without trying to push it or pull it, just letting it be as ever it wants to be. Whatever's right for you. Breathing in. And breathing out. So seldom pay attention to how we breathe, how the air feels coming in through our nostrils. Just letting it go, letting everything go that you don't need right now with the out-breath. You know, at some level, you've decided to take time for you today and listen to the show. This is your time. There's nothing else that you need to do right now except breathe. Breathing in. And breathing out. Now, as we get ready to listen to the show today, I want you to take one more big breath in if you can. And then let everything go. Just letting it all go. That bigger breath at the beginning and then again at the end gives your body a signal that it's time to come back now and listen to the show. Keep that relaxed, centered, grounded feeling with you. But it's time to come back and listen to the show. You know, I don't know about you, but I always feel better after we just take that moment. And what is it? Like 60, 90 seconds maybe? Just to do nothing but breathe. That's it. I think we all need to do more of that in our lives. You know, as I was thinking about the show today, it got me to thinking of the various ways that there are to attain health and well-being. And that all the methods and philosophies that really work, the ones that work, that are truly effective to improve your health and well-being long-term, all those methods seem to have a common theme. That theme of self-healing. How we can make choices to feed our soul and our body in better ways. All of our lives, including our physical health, is affected by the choices we make. So many people today are searching for what's considered to be sort of non-traditional or allopathic medicine, the other stuff. You know, it's that allopathic medicine or traditional medicine, Western medicine, whatever term you want to, to put to it, is really what's most prevalent here in our society in the United States. But in my mind, there are a lot of shortcomings to that mode of medicine. Now, we can see that there's so much more than just taking a pill. I mean, we're starting to see that more and more now. Now, sometimes you certainly still need to take medication or have surgery, but, you know, if it was me, I don't think it should be our first option. To me, it should be our last option for treatment. Taking a pharmaceutical pill, you know, something that's foreign to us, it's not what our body has in us already, to fix whatever ails us, to me, is backwards. Now, it might be physical or emotional pain or some sort of lack of well-being. And it seems an easy fix to just take a pill. And a lot of times, it it does serve as sort of a Band-Aid approach to whatever's going on, but it doesn't ever get at the core, what's underneath that issue, be it physical, emotional, spiritual. Now, in that traditional allopathic Western medicine that we have here in the U.S., Healthcare providers are rushed to do what's the quickest. I know this because I worked in a large multi-specialty clinic for many years. You're on production. You have to see as many patients as you can in a day. I remember when I worked at the large multi-specialty clinic how stressful it was. You had to get them in and get them out. And, you know, them, <laughs> meaning the patients. And you could always have them come back for the second or third complaint because you could only deal with the most 
um, important thing at that time. You know, so you had to prioritize because there was a waiting room full of other patients that you still had to see. So when someone left the their office visit saying, oh, and I have this headache, nobody really ever listened to that because you couldn't. It wasn't a priority. Now, if somebody said, I have this pain in my chest, that would get their attention, and then they would keep you a, a bit longer. But it was really, you know, get him in, get him out type of thing. Now, I don't blame our healthcare providers, because in this setting, they're doing the best they can with what they have. And prescriptions, prescription medication, is a fast and easy way to see 40 patients a day at 10 minutes a pop. Now, I was fortunate when I worked in the clinic that I was allowed a bit more time as a nurse practitioner, but I still felt there wasn't enough time to teach patients like I really wanted to so that they could truly assist in their well-being and access the self-healing ability that we all have. Now, our guest today is here to talk about Ayurveda, a medical system that looks at the core and the choices that bring you to optimal wellness and well-being. I'm really excited to have Michelle Fond in here, the author of The Wheel of Healing with Ayurveda. And we're going to I'm going to introduce Michelle right after this first break. I am super super excited to have her here today. So, I'm Bonnie Gressel here at the gift of choice and we're going to be right back do you struggle to relax sleep well or even lose weight now you can access the powerful energy of the mind body connection with the ultimate health and wellness gift set a four cd collection of guided meditations from holistic nurse practitioner bonnie gressel you can use the recordings yourself or split the individually wrapped cds into gifts for family and friends to get the ultimate health and wellness gift set, go to BonnieGressel.com and click the Products tab. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-O-E-S-S-L.com. You're listening to The Gift of Choice with your host, Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice is sponsored by MNB Global Solutions, providing individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, as well as book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to m&bglobalsolutions.com. Well, welcome back to The Gift of Choice, everyone. I'm Bonnie Gressel, your host. And I am so excited to introduce Michelle Fonden here today. She's the Hi, author of the... Hi, Michelle. I'm so, Hi, I'm so excited to have you here. You're, oh, she's the you. author of... The Wheel of Healing with Ayurveda. And she holds, now let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. I mean, she's, she's, and I'm sure she'll tell you a little bit more, but she's quite an accomplished person. She holds a Vedic Master Certificate from the Chopra Center and is a member of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association and Yoga Alliance. She treats her clients at the Ayurvedic Path Center, speaks and offers workshops, and lives in Herndon, Virginia. And you can find more about her on her website, which is simply her name, michellefondon.com. And I did put that on the show page, and it should be all hyperlinked for you, so you should just be able to click on it, and, and that will take you there. Now, Ayurveda is the science of life. It's a complete wellness system that includes all that we associate with medical care, prevention of disease, observation, diagnosis, and treatment, as well as self-care practices that are generally absent from the Western medicine, just as I was talking about earlier. And Michelle focuses on all of these things and the eight spokes of healing that, she, that describe Ayurvedic medicine in her book, The Wheel of Healing with Ayurveda, An Easy Guide to Healthy Lifestyle. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's going to be a fabulous show. I know our listeners are going to get so much out of this again from you today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. So, you know, I, I tell a little bit about people, obviously, in their bio, but there's always more to this story. Michelle, would you tell us a little bit more about your journey and, and why, maybe why you wrote this particular book or why you do what you do today? Yeah, of course. So um, I was first introduced to Ayurveda through my own illness. So when I was 28 years old, I had thyroid cancer, and I was devastated by the diagnosis like anyone diagnosed with cancer or any devastating disease. But really, I, I had some questions in my mind as I was going through the process of becoming more healthy. And so 
some of those questions really had to do with what can I do to make myself healthier and why did I allow myself to become ill? And it was really through those questions that I was able to discover Ayurveda. A friend of mine handed me the book Perfect Health by Dr. Deepak Chopra. And I really, I fell in love with the concept of Ayurveda because it's so complete and it really understood my question as to what is the root cause of illness? How can we get to the cause so that we don't have to succumb to illness or just brace ourselves expecting that something bad might happen? I wanted to really take charge of my own health. Yeah, it, and I think more and more people do today. You know, because it, maybe in the in the olden days, I guess, it used to be, okay, you go to the doctor and you do whatever they tell you to do. But I think people are starting to question that a little bit more, that, that Western medicine isn't all there is so much anymore. Yeah, and, I, and I, I really, yeah, I really hope that, you know, people are becoming more aware and in, in really learning different ways that they can keep themselves healthy and get healthy. Yeah. Now, Ayurveda is kind of, it's, it's a little more of a, not not a simple uh, medical system, but could you just sort of, for our listeners, just explain what Ayurveda is? <laughs> and maybe that's a good sure. place to start with our discussion. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a consciousness-based system of health, meaning that as an Ayurvedic practitioner, I'm going to look at you as a whole person versus just a set of symptoms. So it's going to which is really important. Obviously, if you're not physically healthy or not feeling optimal, you can't carry on your purpose in life. But it's looking at your physical health, mental health, emotional, spiritual health, your relationships, healing your past, um, looking at even your financial health and your job satisfaction, and then looking at your purpose in life. So it's it's very integrative. And it's it's looking at the person as a whole and saying, if one of these areas of your life is not going well, and usually it's more than one, <laughs> then mm-hmm. you're you're going to allow yourself to become out of balance. And it's really about balancing all those aspects of you. But a lot of it is done through preventive medicine. So things such as lifestyle, diet, exercise, spiritual practices, such as what we did in the beginning, breathing, meditation. Um, but it's also about curative health. So once you are ill, um, looking at the different ways that, you can become more healthy. Some of that includes things like herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I think the what I, one of the things that I like about Ayurvedic medicine and and some of the other modalities as well is the focus on prevention. I mean, it's not all about prevention, but I think Western medicine doesn't really look at prevention at all <laughs> as much as they say yeah, that they do. It's it's really just an early yeah. diagnosis and not really prevention of anything. Yeah, not to mention that I think the blood tests that they give, the urine, urine, you know, urinalysis tests that they give are pretty vague. And I, and I, mm-hmm. from what I've seen with different family members is that what they say is normal in Western medicine really is a very wide range of normality, so to speak, because I've had, had family members with various health problems. And they said, hey, I went for my checkup and I'm perfect. I'm fine. Mm. And I'm looking at them from an Ayurvedic perspective and going, huh, okay, you're not really fine (laughs) when you're eating, you know, fatty foods all day long and you're sitting on the couch and not exercising. You're really not fine. Yeah, absolutely. So now do you see that there's a a shift that needs to take place in sort of Westerners' minds um, when dealing with their health and well-being? I mean, some of that, I think, is starting, is beginning, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really believe, yeah, the shift that really needs to take place is, one, to a more responsibility-based mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's we have this victim kind of mindset that, you know, oh, you know, we just need to have this fight against cancer or, you know, doing research for cancer, we got to fight it, fight it, fight it. And really, it's, it's, it's less about being a victim to the disease. It's less about being a victim to the pharmaceutical companies or, or the healthcare companies and saying, you know, they're just overcharging us and all that. We need to shift it to what can I do day in and day out on a, on a 24 hour basis to keep myself in optimal health. And, and it has to shift to that because 
even with all of our advanced medical technologies, all the advanced treatments that we have, and we live in one of the most wealthy countries on the planet, but as a society, we are becoming more and more sick. And so there's, there's this, it's just, it doesn't make sense when you think about it, that we're the wealthiest, you know, one of the wealthiest countries. We have so many resources in the way of medical technology, yet we're becoming more and more sick. So mm-hmm. something has to be done. And, and I think it's that mental shift of nobody else is responsible for my health and well-being but myself. And so what can I do day to day to make, create that health for myself? Oh, I think that's so that's so true. And not only sort of a, a victim mentality, but almost a, you know, um, I don't know what word to put on it, but it's like take care of me. It's like it's not mm-hmm. it's not to be taken care of. It's to care for yourself and to learn how to care for yourself because we have so much. All of us do self healing abilities, and if we put the right foods in and we do the right things and we you know take care of our body and our soul and all that, then we can help ourselves rather than needing somebody to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it's that. Um, and it's 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 not about thinking about tomorrow. You know, oftentimes we're eating that pizza, drinking the milkshake, or having, you know, the six-pack of beer going, yeah, well, you know, maybe tomorrow or, you know, if I, if I have a heart attack, then I'll shape up. You know, and it, <laughs> I hear so many people saying things like that. You know, well, you know, my, you know, my dad, you know, my dad died of a heart attack at 50. I'm 40. Hey, you know, I'm in, I'm in good shape here. I haven't had anything yet, you know? And so we reason with ourselves with these ridiculous reasonings that make no sense, but it doesn't help us prevent ourselves from getting sick because what we don't think about is that disease takes decades to develop. So what Mm -hmm. you are doing today will affect your health 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. And that's what most people don't think about. Yeah. Yeah, it's just sort of a, a live for today. And and I also know people that say, well, my dad had a heart attack when he was 60 and I'm, you know, 55. So I might as well just do whatever I want to for the remaining five years because I'm going to probably die at 62, you know. <laughs> so I also hear people say that side of it is like they don't really care because they, they're sure that they're going to, you know, they're, they're just have to, you know, deal with whatever is dealt to them and they don't have any yeah. control over it. And I think, and I know that you do too, that people have so much more control than they realize sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is about, um, you know, it's about what you put into your body each and every day. And, and, you know, if you think about it, it's more about energy level and about what it is that you'd like to accomplish in this life. If you're going, and that's why I said Ayurveda is a consciousness-based system, because when you're when you're focusing on consciousness-based, it's that awareness. It's an awareness that there's something bigger in the picture here than just me and myself. Um, it could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be your work colleagues. It could be a higher calling, which it usually is when you get to this higher level, is that it's a higher calling that I'm going to contribute to society in a special way using my gifts and my talents to help others in whatever capacity that is. So when you're really focused on yourself saying, oh, well, you know, my, you know, my relative died of this at this age, so I'm just doomed, you know, I'm just going to yeah. live the way I want. It's shifting to I have a higher purpose and mm-hmm. I'm going to live optimally to be able to fulfill that higher purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about um, doshas. Um, you know, and, and one of the, the concepts within Ayurvedic medicine that that I think a lot of people don't understand, and sometimes you know, myself, it's got, I've got to remember, you know, which is which. So can you first of all tell us, you know, a little bit about doshas, what 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 they are, and what do they tell us about a person? I mean, why are why are there different ones? Sure. So Ayurveda says everybody is divided into mind-body types. And, and what it basically says is that not everybody acts and reacts the same way to the same stimuli. So, for example, if you and I were to walk into a room, I might find the room very hot and you might find the room very cold, but it's the same room. Mm-hmm. And so what Ayurveda notices is that not everybody reacts or acts the same way.
three types, you can be a single mind-body type, which is called a dosha, as you already mentioned, or you could be a combination of two, and very rarely you're all three of the doshas. Even though we have all three in our mind-body system, in our bodies and minds, um, we always have one that's more dominant. So the three doshas are based on the five elements that exist everywhere, and those elements are space, air, fire, water, and earth. So the first dosha is called vata, V-A-T-A, and that's comprised of the elements of space and air. And the second is pitta, P-I-T-T-A, and it's comprised of fire and water. And then the third dosha, kapha, is comprised of water and earth. And so since we have all the elements within us, um, our body, through genetics, really, it's our genetic code, manifests one of or more of the doshas is more dominant than the others. And so what do they tell us about a person? Like, what's the difference between them? Okay, so the Vata type comprised of space and air is going to give, and I'm giving you stereotypical examples, is going to be someone who is thinner with angular features. Um, And think about the qualities of space and air. So space is vast, it's open, um, it's cold because it's outer space. Air is changing, moving, shifting. And so the person that has a majority of space and air, they're going to be quick, changing, moving. So they think fast, walk fast, talk fast, move fast, eat fast. Um, they, they're very easily excitable. They're connectors. They like to connect with people. They, but mostly on a superficial level. They'll make like a thousand Facebook friends or more. Um, they are very creative, very communicative and fun people to be around, very fun-loving. A lot of comedians, um, people who are in theater, they have tendencies to be the more Vata type. Um, on the flip side, a Vata type is going to be prone to worry, prone to anxiety, um, erratic behavior, kind of eating and sleeping at different times each day. So each of the doshas has a positive side and a negative side, which isn't bad. It's just good to know yourself once you know that. The, the second dosha called Pitta, is comprised of fire and water, and they're kind of in between, not fat, not skinny, just right down the middle. They're mesomorphic. Um, think of the fiery element. Fire is hot. It's sharp. It's bright. It's, it's penetrating, and that's the quality of a pitta type. They, they have a tendency to be more passionate, driven, goal-oriented, um, very warm, very beautiful gaze. They're, they usually have very beautiful features because of that glow in their skin and the gaze in their eyes. Um, On the flip side, however, pitta types tend toward anger, criticism. Um, They're they're known to, like, burn down the town with their words, and they feel so much better, but everybody else is left sizzling. Um, (laughs) Then then there is the kapha type, K-A-P-H-A, and comprised of water and earth, and that's the heavier of the three. They don't have to be overweight or fat, um, but they're just heavier. They have bigger bones. They have more fat under their skin, and... They're definitely more endomorphic. They're slower. Think of the tortoise. They think slow, walk slow, talk slow, move slow. Um, they're very trustworthy. They're very compassionate, very loving, affectionate. On the flip side, however, the kapha type has a tendency toward inertia. Um, they get depressed easily. They, um, they get in their routine and they don't want to change. So that's the flip side of a kapha type. Mm. So what, you know, if, once a person knows what dosha type they primarily are, because there's a mixture of all three, but one is dominant is what I think I'm hearing you say. Um, once a person knows that, how do you as a practitioner help to guide them through optimal to optimal health knowing that about a person? Yeah, so um, there are a lot of different things we can do. It just depends on where they are and what their complaints are, so to speak. Mm. So, for example, if you're a Vata type and you're experiencing a lot of anxiety, which is very typical for a Vata type, another, some other typical symptoms might be dry skin, dry eyes, and constipation. So let's just say anxiety is the number one complaint for the Avada type. So we would look at what their daily routine is looking like. So we're looking at are you overloaded in your day? Are you taking time to meditate? Are you eating regularly 
three times a day or every really for a Vata type, they need to eat pretty much every three to four hours. Um, what are the types of foods you're eating? So for a Vata type, they need to eat heavier foods. So something with a little more oil, something like heavy pastas with cream sauces, um, you know, vegetables that are sauteed rather than boiled or steamed. So we're looking a lot at diet. We're looking at exercise. We're looking at their, um, their spiritual practices. So are they meditating? Are they doing breathing? Are they doing yoga? Um, what kind of exercise program are they on, if any? What kind of quality sleep are they getting? So we're looking at a lot of different things. Um, anxiety can indicate also doing emotional healing. So what's going on in their life currently? So we can, we can go through emotional healing exercises as well. So there, there's a lot of different areas which we can turn to in, a, in treatment. Now, you talk about food as medicine, which, um, you know, in terms of taking the doshas out of the picture, the different you know characteristics that people have, if you say you're working with a, I don't know, a, a vada or a pitta or, or one of the doshas, how do you um, talk about food as medicine for, I mean, how does it differ between the doshas, I guess is my question. Your conversation yeah. with one might be different than with another of a different dosha. Exactly, yeah. So different foods are going to affect different doshas um, completely. And there's, a, there's an overall Ayurvedic norm for diet. And so there are, in the book, I talk about the 12 guidelines to eating an Ayurvedic lifestyle plan. So, for example, you're not going to be eating processed foods. You're going mm-hmm. to minimize things like frozen foods and canned foods. You're going to eat closer to the earth. Um, but, for example, for a pitta type, a vegetarian lifestyle is recommended. They just tend to do better on, an, on a vegetarian lifestyle. So um, really it works with the six tastes of Ayurveda. So we look at the six tastes of sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And those tastes are directly related to the elements that I spoke about, space, air, fire, water, and earth. So each of the tastes that exist in food also exist in the elements and vice versa. So mm. being that you're, let's say you're a kapha type and you have heavy water and earth qualities, well, the sweet, sour, and salty tastes are also heavier in water and earth qualities. So that if you eat more of those tastes as a kapha type, you're going to increase the kapha. Now, you don't need more of what you already have. If you already have a lot of kapha in you, you do not need more. If you need more, I'm sorry, if you do get more, that means you'll gain weight, you might have more inertia, you might become depressed. So those are all, um, those are all instances in which food can directly affect you as a kapha type. So it's all about balance. You could be a kapha with a pitta, excuse me, you could be a kapha with a pitta imbalance. And so if you're a kapha with a pitta imbalance, then you would need to eat foods that would pacify the pitta. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And this is probably, I mean, you were talking a little bit ago about the kapha and, and if they eat foods, if they already have enough kapha and they don't really need more, but they eat those foods, that that could cause a weight issue. So that's, I would imagine, is how Ayurveda could be an effective way to lose weight if you know what you're doing to get into balance better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and you know, you have to be disciplined about it because it's not necessarily, Ayurveda does not work with deprivation. Mm. It's not a deprivation type of lifestyle. Ayurveda says that you should gently guide your body back into the state of balance. And so the idea is to be very gentle with your body. So it's not going to be like a fad diet where you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. It's never going to be like that with Ayurveda. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. what it will be is that you will slowly lose weight and you will feel fantastic in the process because that's really what you want. You want to shift in lifestyle and so that you feel more in balance. And when you're more balanced, you feel more like yourself and, and less out of sorts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kaffas who, who really um, look at a kaffa-style diet will lose weight. Hmm. Interesting. So for people who 
um, you know, want to lose weight, depend, you know, finding out what dosha they are primarily. And I think you have, mm-hmm. I, your book is fabulous, by the way. And I think you have oh, a, yeah. um, you have lots of um, exercises and things for people to do. And I think one of them is a questionnaire, a set of questions to determine what your primary or your, your dominant dosha type is. Yeah. We, in the, in the section on what is Ayurveda, we, I have a test in there so you can see the Ayurvedic mind body type test and really answer the questions. And most people say, well, what, like, how can I answer this question? So what you want to do is answer the questionnaire based on your entire life versus based on the last 60 or 90 days. Um, I have a workbook that's out too that focuses more on the last 60 to 90 days in your life because there's also a test you can take for that as well because we tend to go out of balance and sometimes we register as being another dosha, but that's because we're very much out of balance. But the one when you're taking the test, just think about an average throughout your whole life. Like, for example, if you were a kid who was skinny growing up, never could gain weight, but now you're in your 40s and you're gaining weight, um, average the score out. Don't give yourself, I always gain weight when the first 39 years of your life, you never gained weight. So just think about that as you're taking the test. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's a, a, a good thing to mention because I know when I was taking it, I thought, okay, well, some of these questions, I, I, I responded in a certain way because of my lifestyle and what I had to do for my job or whatever, you know, it's it, what is what caused me to, to, you know, talk fast or whatever. So um, some mm-hmm. of those things, so taking the average of your entire life, that's a, a, a great way to look at it. So yeah, it, it, it makes it more accurate. Yeah. So now needless to say, and I don't know if any of the listeners listening today are, are kind of getting this, but when I said earlier in the show that, that Ayurveda is not a simple uh, medical system, <laughs> that that's kind of true. It's, it, I mean, we, already we've talked about a whole bunch of things and people are probably saying, what? What are they talking about? So tell us a little bit more, Michelle, why you wrote the book you did, because I think it's a really, a really interesting story, why you wrote this particular book. Well, actually, I wrote this book really because I had clients that I was treating and they asked me, I would give them an Ayurvedic consultation and we'd go over their health history, we'd go over their doshas, what they could do to correct or rebalance their doshas. And finally, they said, well, what's an easy book where I can really read more about this? And I couldn't think of one. So really, the the reason that I wrote the book was so that people could have an easier way to understand Ayurveda and really take it step by step. Because it's not easy to learn, but it is easy to follow. Meaning that mm. if you have step by steps, it's very easy to follow. It requires discipline. Like anything that's good in your life, it's going to require discipline. And I, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. And, and you know, that's what um, I was on an interview recently where uh, the host said to me, wow, this seems like a really disciplined lifestyle. And I said, well, anything that's worthwhile is discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does require some self-discipline. But in the book, I really outline it so it's very easy for you to follow. So you can adopt, you know, two to three things in a week and then just add on to that. And really, I wanted people to be able to apply it to their lives very practically. Yeah. You know, I find that anything that requires um some discipline or or anything that is anything that's worth having you have to work for but there's yeah. i think a sense that a lot of people have that uh, it's the whole worthiness thing you know they they don't they don't love themselves enough to follow the you know directions or whatever it is or the path you know because they part of it is sort of that self sabotage do you deal with that aspect at all in within um your clients that you see with with all Ayurveda? The time. All the yeah. time. Yeah, all the time. It's hard. It's hard because you can see what people should be doing and what they really need to be doing and you can tell them. Um but you know, it's just I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money, I don't have mm-hmm. you know, it's a one of a thousand excuses and I think that when you're ready, you're ready. Um, if you're listening to the show, you're obviously intrigued enough to be ready. 
Um, I, I just say, you know, for me, being sick just didn't become an option anymore. You know, I think once something in your life happens and hope to God that, you know, you, it doesn't have to come to that for you. Um, for me, it came at a very early age when I was 28 and I was going through all my cancer treatment. I said, you know what, this is just not an option for me anymore. I can't live yeah. like this. I cannot live with illness ever again. And I think that was enough of a motivating factor for me that I said, I don't care what discipline it takes. I'll live mm. like that because being sick is just not an option for, I don't want to visit doctor's offices. It's a waste of my time. And frankly, I don't want to be on medications. Like just with all the side effects and all the chemicals you're putting into your body. I'm like, no, forget that. <laughs> so yeah. for me, that was a motivating factor. Yeah. And for some people it might be, you know, that they just, they they just can't lose that weight or they, you know, we talked a little bit about anxiety earlier. I would imagine that depression, which is so prevalent also, is another mm-hmm. um, thing that you probably deal with with your clients, that that's one of their presenting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, a lot of people deal with depression and anxiety. Those are just two major um, psychological illnesses that are happening these days in great numbers. And I I have an audio program, which I I think I was talking to you about, that I have my book not on audio yet. It's almost there. I'm almost done. But I have an audio program in which I teach about each of the modules, each of the folks of the wheel um, in a conversation. They are so difficult. You know, we think that we're we're so it's so advantageous that we have so many methods of communicating with people. You know, we can text, we can Skype, we can you know chat via Facebook. We have so many different ways of communicating with people. Yet we're more and more isolated. And you know, it's I even look at my kids that when I was a kid, if I had to see a friend, we only had one telephone in the house, and that if mom was on the phone, you had to walk down the street to go see your friend face to face. You know, so <laughs> yeah. we had. We had more face-to-face encounters. We had more networking. We had more social groups. And I think people are just so isolated these days, and we, they don't have that social support, and families are so far away from each other. And I really think that's one of the huge problems of today. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 interesting that, you know, we've we've talked about weight loss and you know anxiety, depression, um, and all kinds of physical illnesses. Do you deal with and this is just a curiosity question, do you deal with people who like maybe come to you and with whatever problem it is, but they're on like eight medications or whatever and and helping them to get more balanced as they should be you find that they need less of that medication and are able to get off some, some of those things. How do you work through that with a person? Yeah, it's a really, um, it's a really touchy subject um, because I'm not, you know, unlike you, I'm not a medical practitioner. So what I, all I can do is just encourage my clients to consult with their healthcare provider and say, look, Tell them, for example, I've have had people get off blood pressure medication after learning meditation. And so mm. I just say to them, tell your healthcare practitioner, hey, I'm learning this form of meditation. I've been meditating now for about three to four weeks daily. Would you mind just testing me and seeing if I really still need to take this? And mm. so that's a really good way to have that conversation with your doctor or like you've been taking yoga Um So, you know, yoga and meditation combined is really good for things like, you know, high blood pressure, even anxiety, depression, um, heart disease, diabetes even. I had one woman who said to me, you know, ever since I've been meditating and taking yoga, my blood sugar has been regulated. So, um, yeah, so like a lot of different things. I had one client, which I didn't even know, she's been taking yoga with me every just once weekly um, for about two to three years. And and we were talking about allergies. And she said, no, I had horrible allergies two years ago. And I said, really? She's like, yeah, it was terrible. I had asthma. I had allergies. I couldn't, 
I had to be on medication every day. And I'm like, well, what changed? She said, yoga. <laughs> That's what changed. <laughs> so, um, you know, there are so many instances in which people have, ha- you know, have been able to stop their medications. Not to mention that I, you know, there are some Ayurvedic herbs that I can recommend to to, to clients um, for things, pretty simple things too. Like um, triphala is really good for constipation. Um, constipation is a huge problem. A lot of people don't talk about it because it's an embarrassing problem, but um, I hear about it. Um, but triphala is non-toxic. The only counter because the wives' tales say that it can make your baby hyperactive. But mm. other than that, for a normal person, it's, you know, it's, it's actually healing to the body. And it does. It's a great herb that I recommend to a lot of people. So, and that's something you can just conjure up in your kitchen. So. Sure. Um, I think you, you cut out just a little bit on there. What was the name of the herb that you can conjure up in your kitchen again? Oh, turmeric. Turmeric. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, turmeric. Turmeric is really good. It's an anti-inflammatory. It actually has a lot. It's an antiseptic, anti-inflammatory. It's antibacterial. Um, it's it's really good for any kapha disorders. And I talk a little bit about that in my in the book about what what constitutes a kapha disorder, but things like diabetes, heart disease, um, bronchitis. Um, so turmeric is really good for a lot of those diseases as well. And, and it's something that you can put into your cooking, but also you can take it as a, like a vitamin supplement as well. Right. Right. I know I, I take it, um, and for, uh, the, the pain issue, the anti-inflammatory issue, um, every day. So yeah, it's, it's, and it, an herb is better than a, you know, Vicodin or something like that for pain. So, right, now, exactly. in in your book, Michelle, you talk about having a life purpose or your dharma. So let's talk about that. I mean, first of all, do you truly believe that everyone has a higher purpose? And if so, how do how do we find it? How can we share that with our listeners today? Sure. So um, I believe that everybody has a life purpose. Um, it doesn't have to be something phenomenal. I think oftentimes when we think of a life's purpose, we think of something extraordinary um, that makes us famous or something. I believe that everybody has a life's purpose, and not only one, but I think we have several different life's purposes. I'll give you an example. I've always known that I wanted to have children, and I knew that I wanted to be a mom of three children. And I had children very early on in life. And I would say that for me, that's one of my greatest life purposes. But it Mm. doesn't have to be limited to just that. Um, But I think when you're looking at your life purpose, really look back to what you loved as a child. Um, A lot of times when we're very innocent around age seven, you know, we say, hey, I want to be this when I grow up. Or I really want to do this when I grow up. Or this really makes me happy. And then the well-intending parent says to you, well, that sounds nice, but let's do something practical. You know, so think back to when you really had that opportunity to dream, when you really had that opportunity to look at your talents and say, hey, I really want to do this. So that's a good indication. But then look at the talents that you have today that maybe you haven't practiced in a while. Um, So it could be an expertise at gardening. It could be playing the piano. It could be so many different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a creative endeavor, um, but just something that you really love doing and that you lose track of time doing it. And I would say, you know, that dharma or that purpose is written on your heart. And really you need to honor that because when you do honor it, you feel so much more at ease. You feel like life just flows. Um, and I would say, you know, don't, don't quit your job right now. If you have bills to pay and responsibilities, <laughs> um, you can always develop your Dharma on the weekends. You can develop your Dharma. In- good at. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, there's a lot of people I think who, 
moonlight or or have a you know if they want to be a an entrepreneur of some sort do it on the side on Saturdays or in the evening or whatever for a long time before they take the leap and that's perfectly yeah. fine i think that's that's you know but yet it feeds that part of them you know it feeds that part exactly. of their soul exactly yeah yeah exactly it gives you that sense of of um being alive i guess that's mm-hmm. what i wanted to say definitely yeah now, Ayurveda is a medical system. We've been talking about that most of this show, but there's also a spiritual component, correct? Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. So let's, let's talk about um, that a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think in it really, it's a good way that, it's a good segue that we're connecting life's purpose because, you know, our spiritual self is really our higher self. It's our sense of soul, our sense of connectedness to everything that is. And it doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. It doesn't matter what you were raised in religiously. Um, Spiritual connection is really more about getting in touch with that higher part of yourself that is breaking away from that ego-centeredness that we all fall prey to, really. Um, It's about connecting to universal energy. So if you think about it, Mother Nature and nature in and of itself orchestrates perfectly and there's so much awe and wonder that can help you do that. Meditation is a great way. Ayurveda teaches that meditation is the way in order for you to get quiet enough to connect to that higher part of who you are. Um, and if, even if you're not familiar with how to meditate, you can always start by doing breathing exercises, by focusing on the breath, by um, staring at a candle flickering for five minutes a day, um, just getting quiet, getting silent. And it's really only through that silence that you can begin to access that, that inner wisdom because all of us have it. And really in that inner wisdom, you also access your own inner healer. Yeah, oh absolutely. And I think you're so that's that's so spot on because life gets in the way, life is busy. I mean, this is the last thing we do is take care of ourselves and the the very last thing we do if we do it at all is to be still. To just do yeah. people think I can't do nothing. Well, doing nothing is still something. <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly. something that you need is to just be still. So mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been it's been a fabulous conversation on Ayurvedic medicine, and I know people are going to want to know more. I know you've got a bunch of stuff on your website, and of course your book is on Amazon, and I put the link to your book on Amazon um, in the show page, so people can just click on that and go there. But tell us more, Michelle, how people can get more of you, the things that you're you're oh, offering, okay. how to connect with you, that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So um, most definitely. Yeah. You can go to my website, michellefondon.com. I have a lot of workshops that I do. I teach meditation online as well. So if you live far away, you can always join an online meditation course. Um, I teach a weekend called the Perfect Health Weekend that really integrates all these principles of Ayurveda into one weekend with me um, here in Virginia, close to D.C. Um, I do Ayurvedic consultations as well online, so we can do them via Skype. Um, so once you read my book, if you're really motivated and said, say, yeah, this is what I want to do. We can also connect that way as well. Super. Yeah, I know. I was looking at your website and there's a lot of things on there. So people should, I would encourage anyone who is at least a little bit interested even to just go there and poke around a little bit. And the best way to get a hold of you, I would imagine is directly on your website as well. Yeah, directly on my yeah, exactly. Directly on my website, you could definitely connect with me. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook as well under Michelle Fondon. I have my page. You could always just shoot me a message there over Facebook. Yeah, super. Yeah, and these days there are so many ways that we can connect with one another, which is which is cool. I mean, you mentioned Skype before, and I do Skype and Google Hangouts with people too all over the world, which is awesome. You could never do that twenty yeah. years ago, you know. It's so, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I get clients from all over the world, definitely. Yeah, awesome. So now, one other question I was going to ask you um, in a little bit of time that we have left um, sure. was about addiction, because that that question comes up. I mean, addiction uh, to whatever it is, whether it's shopping or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it is. I mean, it, 
addictions are feeding some need that's not otherwise being met. And I would imagine that being in better balance would be meeting your needs better, but that's just sort of my, my take on it. So please tell us how Ayurveda can help addiction issues. Yeah, you know, gosh, addiction is such a huge problem today. It's really, it's a bigger problem than most people know about because I think it, there's still a shroud of shame surrounding the concept of addiction, especially substance addiction. It's really more prevalent than most people think. Um, and I'm actually working on a on a book that's going to talk about the inside the heart, mind, and soul of an alcoholic. Um really what Ayurveda can help you do once you're on the road to wellness. And I would say if you're chemically addicted, please get help through, you know, a rehab center, through um, any 12-step support group. And then once you're on the road to wellness, Ayurveda is perfect because what it does is that it connects you to all those aspects of yourself that have been lost. Really, um, Ayurveda is all, I mean, I'm sorry, addiction is all about disconnect. And Ayurveda is all about connection to all the parts of you. And so as you're healing from an addiction, what you're going to experience in Ayurveda is a reconnection to your mind, body, soul, spirit, emotions, your relationships, your really all the aspects of who you are. And it really brings it all back together, not to mention the discipline in it. And I think people that are really struggling with addiction, one of the biggest problems is is having a daily routine, having something that they can stick to that's going to fill the void of that time that they used to use for to feed their addiction. And Ayurveda is so reg- regimented and disciplined, and it, it doesn't have to be, but it is, <laughs> uh, meaning that you can take it at whatever level that you want. But it's such a healthy practice on every level that you can have that regimen that daily regimen that you would need to be able to go through life and go through your day in a very um, disciplined manner. And, and, and really, and the best part of it is that it connects you to the more spiritual side of you, which is really what opens and expands as you're healing from any addiction. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed our show today, Michelle, and you've, you're a fabulous guest. I know I've had you on my other show as well. And it's been an interesting topic and I might have to have you come back at some point because I think there's there's so much more that we didn't even get that we didn't even talk about today. So um, it's, it's Ayurvedic medicine in general is not, I mean, it's, not terribly complicated, but it's a little bit more complex than some other medical systems. And there's so much to talk about. So I would, we'll have to maybe talk offline about how we could do that. So thank you. Oh, yes. Thank thank you you for being on the show today and for taking time. And uh, if anyone is listening or listening to the archives later is interested in checking out Michelle's book, um, you can go to her website, you can learn more about it there. And also the link is on the show page to it directly on Amazon as well. So thank you so much for taking time today, Michelle, and I will be back next week, um, Monday, at 2 p.m. Central. Actually, next week is, in the U.S., at least, is Labor Day. So next week's show is going to be a podcast. I won't be able to take call-ins during that during that show, but it will be a podcast that I will record. It's the only day of the year, really, that my husband and I take a little drive up to Door County, which is close to us, and the reason we go up on Labor Day is because everybody else is coming back and we're going there. So we don't have any traffic issues. But um, anyway, thank you, Michelle, for being on the show today. And I'm going to see all of you guys um, listening to the show through a podcast next on Monday. And then I will be back live on the 17th as well. Blessings, everyone. Ever wonder how you can get a professionally produced ad like this made for your own product or business? Let the team at MNB Global Solutions create a surprisingly affordable audio or video marketing asset you can call your own. All you have to do is come up with a few bullet points, and the MNB team will do the rest. Use your ad on radio shows like this, your website, or wherever potential customers find you. To learn more, go to mnbglobalsolutions.com. You've been listening to The Gift of Choice, hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice has been brought to you by MMB Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. 
For more information, go to mnbglobalsolutions.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.